Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm me, that's Joel Sharpton. You can find me online at The Rogue's Life, on Twitter especially. You can email me here at the show, meandthegeek at teamprocreate.com. You can also find us on Twitter or on Facebook at Me and the Geek. And every week we're going to bring you a different conversation with a geek uh, and a peek into their geeky world. This week we've got a really interesting one. We're going to be talking to Chad Brooks, or I should say the Reverend Chad Brooks. You can find him online at revchadbrooks.com. And there's links to his website and his um, podcast as well in our show notes. So check out those if you haven't before. Uh, By the way, watch the show notes every week. We try to have links to not only the actual uh, guests that we have on the show and where you can find them online, but all. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. Also, how you can interact with some of the things that we discuss, different topics or news stories that we cover during the show. You can click on those and get a, a further look into the, uh, the thing that we're talking about if you enjoy it. This week in particular, we really just scratched the surface with this guy. Chad is a, a guy I've known since early college, and he's just a fascinating character. There have literally been movies made about the man. He's a preacher. Uh, he's a Led Zeppelin fan and a big Bigfoot fan as well. And we're going to talk about that in a future episode. Today, though, we talk about productivity. We talk about uh, social media and multimedia and how he's integrating those things into his new mission and new church that he's just started pretty recently. But I'm going to let him tell you about that. So without further ado, this is me and the geek. Chad, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on the show. I'm excited about it. Man, I'm excited to have you too. I've been looking for an excuse to talk to you uh, really <laughs> since before you started podcasting, but but I'm glad uh, that we finally found the opportunity and, and I'm really glad about this uh, technology that's allowing us to, to do it. You and I were talking a little bit before uh, the show started about um, Ringer, this Ringer app, R-I-N-G-R, but I don't mind giving them a little publicity. If you are doing any sort of podcasting or interviewing online, especially with the occasional less than techie guest, it's a really cool idea and the future of this thing looks even brighter. So um, I know you and I are both excited about it, Chad. I did want to mention that. Uh, if you're interested in that, look it up, R-I-N-G-R. But that's not what you and I are talking about today, Chad. We want to talk about um, your job in the ministry and and how you bring your geeky side to bear on that. Uh, first off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, How long have you been in the ministry? I have been working full-time in ministry for going on 10 years. I've been working... Um, with the church probably 15 to 16 years. I'm a preacher's kid too. And so, uh, I've just been around it my entire life. Give us a little bit of your, of your geek background too. I mean, in particular as a kid, uh, you know, were you a He-Man guy? Were you a Transformers guy? You a Star Wars kid? What was your geekdom? Okay. I, okay. I was the He-Man guy. Um, but I really, I was a Boy Scout. And so that's a certain kind of geek right there. Absolutely. It's the, it's the prepared geek. Yeah. I was like, I was like the kid who made model rockets. Yeah, I was that. I was that geek. Uh, 
I remember playing with G.I. Joe's until junior high when my girlfriend came over to the house. I got really embarrassed and didn't put them up. That's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about the project that you're on right now or your main project, because uh, we're going to get to your side hustles in a minute. But um, your your day job is the lead pastor at the Foundry. Now, this is a, a, a brand new congregation, right? Yeah, we've uh, been boots on the ground for seven months. Uh, we we're not worshiping weekly just yet. We'll be uh, worshiping weekly uh, at the end of August. And so we've been in a, a kind of a, 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 an entrepreneurial startup phase for six months. We've got about another seven months left of that. Um, and that's it. That's intentional. Uh, we could have just moved out here and just found folks and started meeting in our living room. But we decided to take a different path towards that, um, mainly just because of issues of sustainability. I, right now, I, I mean, I, I, I clean the toilets in the office. I, uh, I run the errands. Got a hand, I got some people who volunteer and do some of that stuff for me. But right now, uh, taking care of a lot of things. Got about 125 people with us. So it's a big job. I haven't gotten to be a part of any of your services yet or your get-togethers, but I've been watching it sort of from afar on Facebook and, and through Twitter and the different mediums that you're using to reach out to people. Let's talk about that a little bit, about growing this, developing the idea as you're both reaching out to your potential congregation, but then also trying to shape the very mission that you're going to have as, as you develop as an organization. How has social media been a part of that? I mean, it's been huge. And I've, I've, been, I've been interested in social media uh, since it came out, uh, I got a, I got a Facebook account the moment uh, Louisiana Tech opened up for it. Uh, back when you used to have, a, have to have a .edu account for uh, Facebook, so I was one of the first fifty people on that network. And uh, in college, I, um, I was a sociology student, and I did some research because I realized, like back back pre Facebook, remember Zanga, the blog site? Yes, yes. I had a group of like 40 or 50 people I was good friends with that I spent almost all my time with. And uh, we would normally be eating meals together in the cafeteria, hanging out on the weekends, going to music. A, a lot of people were all musicians or playing, playing in bands together, the whole nine yards. And I noticed that people, uh, my friends, like we would have very deep, deep conversations and like share these huge things online on Zanga. But there was this weird unwritten rule that you can't talk about them in real life. So for, I mean, over a decade, I've been interested in just social media and social dynamics and how we choose to communicate with that. Just across the board, uh, when I was in grad school, I did some pretty major social media projects. I went to the largest non-denominational seminary in the world, worked for them and their social media department. They were the first seminary to have, a, to have an officially sanctioned blog. That was one of the reasons I chose to go there was the way they were engaging in new media and doing some really creative things in it. And so when, we came, when the time came to start Foundry, um, I've been working at a pretty established church in the same area for three years. And uh, the way Methodist pastors work, um, we have a bishop who sends us places. And so it wasn't like my wife and I said, you know what, we're just going to move five miles away here and start doing our own thing. Uh, our bishop identified the area we live in as a, as a key place of growth in the state. And uh, one, we, they, we needed to do something new out here. And uh, I just I, I bugged him and bugged him and bugged him until I could get it. And I knew from the beginning that social media was going to be a huge uh, part just because the younger people get, the more they communicate online and the more that's their primary method of communicating. For any, anything, any business to be successful, you have to do social well. And especially if you're reaching a younger demographic, more and more, you're going to have a very hard time communicating with them and, and, t and telling them that online life is not real life. Yes. 
and so, so many industries are lamenting this, uh, uh, newspapers lamenting it, churches are, I mean, all, all these sorts of people are griping about this, this gigantic cultural shift. Well, my, my whole theory has always been, you can either gripe about it or you can ride that wave. And so when we, uh, were starting out with Foundry, we spent the first month and a half of us being in ministry, not announcing the name of the church, didn't have our website up and we were like super secretive, started a countdown like 15 days before we were going to release everything and just, just started trying to build up all this buzz because we were going to drop everything on the same day. So all of our social accounts, the names, just the whole nine yards, the website, and uh, we did it. And I'll tell you what, those first 48 hours that we were online um, were tremendous. I mean, we gained over 150 followers uh, on Facebook, 150 likes on Facebook that day. Instagram got like 50, 60 followers. The website got, I want to say, uh, close to 1,000 hits in 72 hours. It's just we, we built it up, but we spent a lot of time that whole month and a half just really digging into realizing, okay, who are we trying to talk with? Who are we trying to reach? We had the money for the demographic data in our area. And most churches are going to be localized businesses or they're like local businesses. Uh, so it doesn't make sense for them to try to advertise nationwide. And so we kind of defined out this is who we want to be communicating with. This is who we want to reach. And this is something any business or industry can do. And we came up with three or four personas of, of, of these are the people who live in our area. And we had the demographic data to back up, okay, this is a significant portion of our population. And we just looked at all of our social media and said, okay, if we're not reaching these demographics, we're doing something wrong. And so it was about crafting compelling content that told the story of who we are, but also invited people to participate. And then in some of us, just let's be honest, a lot of social media is also advertising. And so it was uh, making sure that we were, that we were advertising well and not just constantly talking about ourselves. Chad, you know, for a lot of people listening uh, that don't know the area that, that you and I are, are sort of living in, you mentioned Louisiana Tech earlier, so maybe that gives them some uh, frame yeah. of reference. But we're we're talking about North Louisiana. We're talking about a largely rural area. Was yeah. there was there any blowback from church leadership, especially, or you know, potential donors, financial backers, elders that wanted to be involved in this project that said, "Okay, Chad, those are all great ideas. Those work in New Orleans and Baton Rouge. They don't work." you know, in Sterlington, they don't work outside Monroe. They don't work in the middle of nowheresville, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, we had some just cause a lot of people, um, just didn't understand what we were doing. And, uh, like some people were like, well, why aren't you printing out 10,000 flyers to mail out? And I was like, well, first of all, that would cost $2,500. Uh, Facebook's free. Yeah. And if you learn, and if you learn how to manipulate your, um, a Facebook fan page and with that Facebook algorithm they have, you're going to get a, a much more well-defined piece of outreach. And so we didn't have any, any beef with folks. Like that's not going to work up here, mainly just because I'd lived here for three and a half years. And, and I'll talk about this more like with, with my own website and some of my side hustles. I had spent the time to develop a tremendous amount of credit with people and trustworthiness. And so it was one of the scenarios like, Hey, this is going to be kind of weird and kind of different, but can you just run with it for me? Yes. Um, and that's what we experienced. Now, if I would have been a stranger to this whole thing and I would have moved across the country and all that, they, there's no way they would have let us do this. So let's let's switch topics a little bit here because this is is something I want to talk about and expound upon some of the different ways, the different ideas that you guys are bringing in to your worship services, to your ministry in general. But you know the 
the conversation that you see a lot of times, Chad, online from both the mainstream media and also from a lot of Christian media outlets is that this is an unchurched generation, that, that you and I and that our friends, the people we grew up with, are more secular than at any time in America's history and are moving more in that direction. And to me, I, I mean, I don't want to get into the specifics about why that might be, because I think there's lots of arguments to be had there. I also would argue that I think some of those statistics are misleading. I think people are moving into denominations and to you know, spiritual traditions that are a little bit harder to put on a spreadsheet. But, yeah. but regardless of how you see that problem or whether you see it as a problem, do you think it's true that our generation specifically, that the young adults of today, the 30s and the early 40s, and those that are building their families, that are growing kids, which are the future of the church, are those people more difficult to reach? Do you just have to reach them differently? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that they're not difficult to reach at all. Um, I think that some of that stuff is true. Um, just because the the fabric of American life has drastically changed just so much in the last 30 years. Um, if you look at the millennial generation, 77 million people, that's uh, the largest generation to ever live on the face of the earth. And it's a group of people who are only, there's only a 14 year age spread. Um, and that guys like me and you, we're kind of on the edge of both. Like we're generation X and kind of millennial. We kind of got both things rocking. Um, and so it's just, it requires something completely different. There's a pastor in Oklahoma city, a pastor for church called LifeChurch.tv. Yes. Okay. So the U version app. Yeah. 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 This is the one, this is the one that I see in my church, right? With all the video. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like his church built that and gives it away for free. That's free. Yeah. I assume yeah. U version. I, no, no. The Bible.com is the Bible app is free. Everything about it, like the whole back end. There's all sorts of crazy stuff you can do with it. His church realized they need to put they needed a way to put scripture in people's hands. I mean that that all makes perfect sense. And I got to tell you, like it makes me uh, tremendously proud that there's a, a a group out there working on something like that. But I I just assumed this was a gigantic media company funded by you know a no. lot of churches and organizations. No. No, no, it's LifeChurch.tv. Now they're a gigantic church. Sure. But uh, no, but, but, Craig, but their pastor, Craig Gashel, uh, uh has a phrase. He says, if we want to reach people who've never been reached before, we've got to be willing to do things that have never been done before. And so it's just when you look at your area and you know who you're supposed to be, you're, we know uh, who we're supposed to be, be reaching, we're able to use our Facebook back end. And those amazing insights that Facebook gives you to check to see, okay, are we engaging our focus mission group? Because we know who that is based off of our demographic research. I, I spend way too much time in analytics than people realize, but it's a way for us to keep ourselves in check. Chad, do you think that it's appropriate to talk about this? I see some people using the term, you know, rebranding worship. Do you think that's the, is that the way you think about it? Do you think, do you see that as a derogatory term? Does that make it sound disingenuous? I think whenever I see those kind of articles trend on Facebook and people knock either a modern church or B or knocking contemporary or modern worship music, my seat, like, I'm, I'm about to be really open with y'all. Uh, I won't talk to this and, and preach your conversation <laughs> with people. I think they're making excuses for sucking. I think that's a, I, that's a, I mean, that's a bold way to put it, but I, I understand where you're coming from, I think. Explain, expound upon that. Well, in all actuality, they don't, they're, they're not, they're not, it's not working for them. And they're either tied to a system that they have like falsely baptized as extra holy because they grew up in it. 
Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a sociologist by background, so I'll always kind of default back to their like their systems and traditions mean they ha- they think they have to do this, 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 and this, and this, or it's not church. Or they think that doing this is incredibly expensive, and that that and and so they just uh, try to rag or knock down the churches that are doing this. But in all actuality, it's dirt cheap. Facebook is free. You can use an amazing tool like Canva.com or WordSwag or Over and your in your iPhone to do almost all of your visual stuff you need to do. I think it's it's just heavily misunderstood. So it's not necessarily rebranding or remarketing. It's just do you, do, is there the core conviction that you have to go out and evangelize or are you just going to be internal and take care of yourself? If somebody is listening to us today and, and they think, boy, that's something that I'd like to at least follow the progress, even if I'm not in the area to, to get plugged in uh, personally, where can they find more about your church? Um, you can hit up our URL and our, uh, all of our, our social media channels are We Are Foundry. The URL is wearefoundry.com, but it's F-O-U-N-D-R-Y. Very cool, very cool. All right, now you, though, have a whole side presence online, really, that, that predates the Foundry. And as we discussed earlier, it's sort of one of the reasons why you were just the right fit in this area for this kind of a church and this kind of a mission. Uh, let's talk about your website, revchadbrooks.com, R-E-V-C-H-A-D-B-R-O-O-K-S.com. <laughs> Chad, tell us when, the, when you started the website. What was the idea behind it? Um, you know, I've been blogging since 2001 and, uh, I restarted everything. Um, I didn't, I mean, I didn't delete, you can get on Google and probably find a lot of my old stuff, but I restarted my website about two and a half years ago and I did it trying to be, um, equal across all social channels. So like all of my logins or all of my handles and everything is Rev Chad Brooks. Um, I wanted people just really to, to see what that is. Um, and to be able to get to it quicker. But uh, I started off, I spent a long time um, uh, writing about uh, worship and that sort of thing. And from like a deeply theological perspective, but what I found people were really responding to and really asking for me was like very practical things. They're like, Hey, how did you organize this? Or how do you plan to do this? And so I, I, I'm naturally really, really uh, unorganized and chaotic. And so for me, I found out that I just kind of had to build these like these routine systems to keep up with stuff. And I started sharing those and people really started liking them. And then uh, I'm, I'm naturally an artist and I realized that there's all these creatives that in the last four or five years, you found them doing a lot of thinking about productivity. And you no, know, to me, when I think of being productive, I think of like that nerdy kid in high school who had a day planner. Yes. You know what I'm saying? He had the Franklin Covey and it was like the size of an encyclopedia. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I think like that guy and I was like, Oh, actually this is something completely different. Cause it was coming from an artistic standpoint. And it was the fact the matter of, it was like, Hey, we've got to stay productive so we can be a working artist, but also so we can keep our minds focused in the same way. So I kind of started drifting in that way. And then, I mean, ministry is a job that you can work 120 hours a week easily. And that's actually a huge problem with pastors is overworking. Like you hear, there's the old joke of you only work on Sundays. Um, and it's actually the exact opposite. Like I know more and more pastors who have not had a day off in months. And when I mean a day off, it's not that they don't have time to sit around the house, but like they've not been with their kids. Um, they've not been able to go to ball games or even have three or four hours of free time to do something that's relaxing. Um, 
And, and, and so I started thinking about productivity from a ministry standpoint, but also from the standpoint of, okay, this is what you're called to do. This might be what you're really good at, but there's all this extra crap you have to take care of. That, and so that led right into the development of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I was sitting here, and um, I was actually at a moment of time in my life when I had too much time on my hands. <laughs> I needed a creative outlet to do some of this stuff, and I needed to find something that I could completely uh, control. And just kind of from ground up, was sitting there, and I've been hearing from people. I was already podcasting. I was doing a group podcast with some good friends of mine called The Threshing Floor. And so I'd already kind of figured out the modern way of podcasting, not like old podcasting 10 years ago, but a more modern way of podcasting. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast. And I didn't think it was going to work very well. Like, I, I honestly thought, I was like, okay, I think I got like eight episodes in me. And then after that, there's nothing else you can talk about, about productivity and ministry. And um, did the eight episodes, uh, released them. And like immediately I could tell, okay, this is a lot more popular than I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> I spent my first eight weeks uh, in the uh, between the top one and top three of Christian New and Notable on iTunes, and uh, and I was like, look at my download numbers. Like, okay, this is going too well for me just to quit doing it. And so, what I found out was once I got to think about, it, there's all sorts of practical things for people in ministry about productivity, but also I think a lot of it. I would say probably sixty percent of that podcast would translate over to anyone else who's in a production-based job. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. How much of that podcast now and how much of your sort of unstated mission week to week or episode to episode is about uh, sort of helping and fostering other ministers or lay people and, and how much of it is, is for a more general audience? I would say that 75% of that content can be listened to by anybody and enjoyed the 25% that they're, that they're not going to find applicable would be like very, very, like I did a whole month on sermon planning. Mm. But then again, I think like anybody who has to continually create long form content in their job or, or make presentations or even makes, like I mean, quarterly reports or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that can kind of, cool. but I'd say about 75% of the podcast, um, anybody could listen to and could get, uh, uh, benefit from it because pretty much what the the I'm hitting my third season right now and what I'm discovering is what I'm passionate about is is helping people create the the time for the things that will matter the most. Uh, boy, that's a nice elevator pitch. You put it. Repeat that one more time in case somebody missed it. That's great. Take uh, helping people learn to take the time for what matters most. That's that's really really succinct, man. Uh, so the the show is called the Productive Pastor. You can find it on iTunes. Yep. You're in Stitcher too. Everywhere yep. podcasts are pretty much. Uh, yeah. Did you find you mentioned early on though when you started your blog, you, the idea was you were talking about a lot the theological discussions of worship and and the framing of worship, the the makeup of worship, what it means yeah. to worship, etc. Different styles. Did you have you found now that your podcast has sort of taken over what your your blog was becoming the productivity side of things? Have you geared back towards a more ministerial uh, effort in your in your blogging? I, I want to. <laughs> it's not happened just because. I mean, you know this. Creating podcasts it takes time. Creating quality content takes time. I've got an email that goes out uh, several times a month. Um, I'm trying to write normal blog posts as well, and I like to build and share resources. And so that does, that has taken over and it's something I'm not happy about. Um, and I've actually ended up, uh, cause I made the conscious decision to keep the podcast on my blog. 
Like at first I thought about going out and let it have its own website, its own little entity before I was like, you know what? I want to keep this, I want to keep this in my garage. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it does. But what it's, what it's afforded me, though, is something I couldn't in the past, is that I now have a much larger audience for what I do write something like that. Mm. And me growing up as a – I grew up in – my dad's a Southern Baptist megachurch pastor. And then I joined a pretty different denomination. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of folks that I have been blessed with the privilege to influence. And so what I'm finding is – my folks that are more evangelical, more free church and more conservative are looking at me for a, a certain level of like they're dipping their toes into the church calendar for the first time or into church history for the first time. And then my friends that are mainline, and that's the churchy word for someone who's Methodist, Presbyterian or Lutheran or Episcopal, that kind of thing. They're looking at me and like, okay, we're just now starting to think about things that other people were thinking about 40 years ago. Um, What's that look like? Like, I, well, I think one of the, the best blog posts, the most top-performing blog posts I ever uh, had on RevChadBrooks.com was about um, wh- why people don't sing in worship. Yes. And uh, got a lot of, of traction from both sides because both, both, both sides of the theological spectrum, there were things that, that they're both trying to do inside of that. Um, and so I, I wish I was writing more uh, pastorally. And, and that, I, when I started Rev Chad Brooks, my intention was actually to get out of writing for ministers, but I've realized I can't get away from it. So I'm just going to write for ministers. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that. And, uh, and of course, no, but there's, 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 there's people, there's tons of people doing it already, but I just, that's the way my voice is. And, uh, and, and my, my, my churches have always known that. And my churches kind of like it. I think, I think that, um, I'll have people that will read stuff. Um, but I've had more people who are, I'm leading that love the fact that that's what I do. Well, and it, it, I think it exposes, especially in your case, being you know a, a rural minister in North Louisiana, maybe this sort of isolated part of uh, of the world, so to speak. In some ways, you're exposing them to a larger audience. You're exposing that larger audience to them, uh, and and yeah. just like you said, blowing open both sides of your sort of. Um, uh, different parts of the church that you've been exposed to over your life to each other. Uh, just in, that in itself can be um, pretty worthwhile. Interesting stuff, yeah. man. Great stuff. Hey, listen, yeah. before we wrap up, and we are going to have you back, uh, we've got to talk about Led Zeppelin, first of all, as you're a gigantic music fan. I don't know anybody yeah. other than me that likes Zeppelin as much as you do. So we're going to talk about that's that. Gonna be a, that's going to be a great episode. Uh, even better than that, though, you're also a Bigfoot aficionado, and so I'm going to have you on as my Bigfoot expert eventually, too. All right. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do before it. Before I get you out of here, though, for folks listening to this, especially uh, if they're you know interested in uh, continuing along their uh, Christian faith journey or uh, if they're somebody who's sort of stalled for one reason or another and they've been sparked by something that you said today, uh, give us a couple of your favorite resources online through an app or something like that for someone to do some Christian study on their own. Yeah, um, I think Relevant Magazine is excellent. Um, I think they're asking honest questions that a lot of people are already asking. Um, and I think you just Google Relevant Magazine. I think their, their URL might be Relevant Mag. Um, I think that if you are in any capacity whatsoever at all in your church, um, Carrie Newhoff, uh, his name is, I think it's in... I E W H O F. New Canadian. Yeah. Um, 
you might want to fact check that for me. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll have um, links for all of this in our our uh, show okay. notes. By the way. Yeah, good. I feel bad because I interviewed him like three days ago, and I had to check to spell his name every single time, right? Uh, but uh, he's a pastor of a church in Canada, and like I said, anybody who's in anything or just wants to support their pastor, I would read his blog because he's challenging people to to have some honest conversations about existing churches and about things they might need to change. Um, and 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 just just you being aware of that and reading that will support uh, your church greatly. And then um, I think there's a, a, a company that I work with some, and they're called Seedbed. It's a publishing house, and they are trying to they're, they're putting out a lot of great content uh, for people, uh, good video content, good Bible study, good blog posts, uh, and that such. Uh, the Seedbed.com uh, does some fantastic work. Uh, I read it every day. Awesome stuff, Chad. Uh, thanks so much for uh, Chad Brooks or to Chad Brooks for joining us today on Me and the Geek. You can find more about him and his church uh, all over social media and the internet. Uh, just search for We Are Foundry. You can find him and his uh, blog and podcast at RevChadBrooks.com or just search for The Productive Pastor where you listen to podcasts. Chad, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks to the, the Geek Nation here. I had a, a ball doing it. Awesome, man. We'll have you on again soon. Uh, and uh, for now, thanks, man. Have a great one. Hey, thanks, Joel. Great discussion with Chad. Really good to hear from him uh, personally. It's been a while since I'd actually talked to him before we got to do the show. He's a very busy man, as am I. And we'll have him on again soon, uh, like I said, to cover his his Bigfoot fix, man. He is a, a huge Bigfoot nut, a big believer, and he knows far, far more about the subject than, uh, than I ever imagined was even possible. So we'll talk to him about that soon. Uh, until next week, make sure you stop by our Facebook or Twitter accounts and say hello, facebook.com slash geek or on Twitter at geek. You can uh, follow Follow me at The Rogue's Life on Twitter and also review us in iTunes or on Stitcher, wherever you might listen to us. Give us a review that helps other listeners like you find us or just share us with a friend directly. Meandthegeekpod.com. Until next week, I'm Joel Sharpton at The Rogue's Life. I'm me. This week's geek was Chad Brooks and this has been the podcast. One, two, three, four. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a ProCreate production. ProCreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows like Pod on Pod, a weekly review of a different podcast to help you find your new favorite show. Josh and Joel are your hosts as they walk through the wide world of podcasting. From comedy to self-help, Josh and Joel listen to it all so you don't have to. This is the sound of a man who unexpectedly fell into cold water and instinctively is trying to swim hard. This is the sound of the cold water shock, making him gasp uncontrollably and breathe in water until he drowns. Whereas this is the sound of a man who fell into cold water and knows how to survive. You have to fight your instinct to swim and just float until the cold water shock has passed and you can control your breathing. This is a safety message from the RNLI. Float to live. Visit respectthewater.com. This is not just bread. This is a delicious M&S sliced loaf. Just one of our range that has been sliced from £1.15 to 65p. 
Enriched with vitamin D and fibre, it's great for packed lunches. This is not just value, this is MS value. Subject to availability, excludes franchise stores.